Pitchers and catchers report next week. Spring training is right around the corner. And with that, we should probably have a discussion about the new rule changes, how they're going to affect baseball, and how they're going to Tigers specifically. All today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Wednesday, February 8th, 2023. Thank you for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today. To get started. Alrighty, so as we send the cold open, we are going to be discussing the rule changes today. How they're going to affect baseball, and obviously how they're going to affect the Tigers specifically, as this is Locked on Tigers. So, uh, let's just get right into it here. There are some rule changes that are happening, and we haven't really discussed them all offseason. And that was semi-intentional, one, because they baseball hadn't really released like the intricacies of all of them yet until this week, uh, MLB.com put an article up earlier this week by Anthony Castrovitz, and he kind of breaks down all of and answers a lot of questions that people have been having all off season and really breaks down the, the nitty gritty of all of these rule changes. So that's definitely an article you can check out. It also has, you know, the, the rule changes that were experimented in the minors first, which is all of these, I believe. Uh, it kind of has the stats and numbers about how they affected the minors and whatnot. So if you want the, the deep dive on some of the rules themselves, you can take a look at that article for sure. But uh, we're going to definitely talk about the, the, the impact that these are going to have. I think I want to start with the shift. Okay, this has been a big one for a while, and MLB has banned the shift. It's over. It's done. There will be no more dramatic shifting in baseball and on the defensive side of things. The exact rule is going to be shortstop and third have to be on the left side of second base. First base and second base have to be on the right side of second base. Obviously, talking about the position players versus the base itself there, uh, you must have four players on the infield, you can play an outfielder in the infield. So you can bring in Riley Green to to play in the infield if you so choose. But you can't do vice versa. You got to have at least four players in the infield. But if you want to go five infielders, two outfielders, you can try your, your hand at that. Well, I'm sure we'll see something like that at some point in the season from someone, probably the Rays. Uh, and if you break, this is a theme throughout all of them. People have always asked, you know, what's the the ramifications? What are you risking? If you don't do these, what does it cost you? Uh, it's an automatic ball, pretty much for all of them. If you are breaking a shift rule, we'll talk about the pitch clock later. If you go against that, anything like that is going to result in an automatic ball awarded to the other team. Those can add up pretty quickly if you're giving them out like candy. So definitely something that, that you don't want to give away too many of. And so that's the shift rule in a nutshell. The Tigers' impact of this, I think, is like has the potential to be pretty dramatic. And, and I'm not trying to be overly dramatic either, but there are definitely some, some pieces in this 
that I think the Tigers specifically, it may affect more than, than other teams. First off, let's talk about Jonathan Scope. Jonathan Scope had a fantastic defensive season last year, right? When you talk about the defensive metrics, DRS loved him. And I think that one of the things you can point to with Jonathan Scope is the fact that he had really good positioning. He wasn't somebody that necessarily wowed you with athleticism at second base. There's not a Jonathan Scope 2022 highlight reel, like defensive highlight reel. Well, not offensive either, certainly going around like on the internet or anything. It wasn't like when you watched him, you were like, oh my goodness, this is, you know, some some jarring defensive performance we're seeing. But he never booted the ball. He made pretty much every play. And he was always in the right place at the right time. And a lot of defensive metrics are pretty heavily influenced by positioning. Now there's different ways that they measure positioning, DRS and outs above average. They they kind of go against each other, and that's why they're different stats. But uh, they, they kind of go against each other in terms of how the positioning is. One is more uh, generalized and one is more exact about you know where exactly they're standing versus one is kind of breaking it down. Regardless, that's not super important to this conversation. But that is, is, is something that I think will have a really big impact on some players, Jonathan Scope very much being one of them. So that's someone I, I think we should look out for for sure. I think also just the versatility of this roster. I mean, we, we've talked about it a ton this offseason, right? Like this is a team that has a lot of players that can play a lot of different positions and that is going to be utilized by a lot of players playing a lot of different positions. And I'm not trying to just repeat myself or be super captain obvious about it, but in the past, you might be able to just play someone at a certain position more often than other positions, but you could shift around and kind of see them in different areas of the field still regardless, whereas this is going to be a lot more of you know what, you're, you play third, you're playing like you're a traditional quote unquote third baseman. And I think when the Tigers are looking at their third baseman, the future as well, that will come into play. Like there's no uh, hiding someone via a shift anymore defensively. Like you, you have to be able to hold your ground at the hot corner if you want to play third or it goes for every position, obviously, but third is just the one. Uh, I think the Tigers is kind of the most up in the air going forward. So I think that's definitely something that that is going to take effect with this team as well. And uh, the biggest thing for me that I don't think is talked about very often is the Detroit Tigers have been one of the most productive and just flat out best shifting teams in baseball ever since AJ Hinge took over. And those numbers are are backed up over and over and over again. Uh, Fielding Bible, which is a, a great website that helps track defensive data, they have been doing team DRS, like team defensive run saved. And they break it down by individual player and position as well. But they, they do a team DRS formula that, that's very fascinating. And ever since A.J. Hinge took over, the Tigers, when, when you look, the individual numbers are like this team has not been very good defensively when you're talking about individual personnel really outside of scope last season. Over the last two, three, well, I'm mean, seven, eight, nine, 10, 15 years, but uh, specifically just in like this era, right? There have certainly, uh, I'm not trying to tell you that he has turned everybody into like gold glove caliber defenders, but 
there is a, a fascinating difference on, again, this is fieldingbible.com. There's, they sort it by individual players and then shifting defensive run saves. How many runs this defense has saved via the infield shift or via the outfield shift? And the Tigers consistently, since Hinch took over, have been towards the top in shifting defensive run saved and that's obviously going to take a huge hit this year so as a as a team who has a manager who is very analytically inclined and has uh, according to some metrics benefited greatly from shifting over the last two years I'm very interested in how this team's defense is going to look this season with shifting being a lot not, not necessarily eradicated like you're still going to see first baseman and second baseman move around and stuff it's just definitely the, the dramatic shift that that's done those days are over so I'm really fascinated with the Tigers specifically not just because I cover them but because of, of how much they've benefited from the shift according to a lot of metrics over the last two years so we'll see uh, let's get into the other rule changes we'll do that right after I tell y'all about our friends over at FanDuel we're really, really excited about our friends over at FanDuel. They are the new sports betting partner for Locked On. They're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. You can download FanDuel now so you can get Super Bowl 57 no-sweat first bets. You'll get up to $3,000 back. In bonus bets, if your first bet doesn't win, FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line, the point spread, who will score a touchdown. They, it, look, the Super Bowl is the most bet on sporting event of the year, right? And you got to get in while you can and get these no sweat first bets. It's going to be awesome. Best of all, you get your winnings instantly with the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. There's no waiting around. You get your money right as soon as you win. It is the best in the business. They are the best in the business. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, everybody. Welcome back here to segment two of Locked On Tigers. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. For your next listen, check on the Locked On Sports Today podcast. Host Lindsay, sorry, not Locked On Sports Today. The Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. Host Lindsay Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he is going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. All righty, let's talk Turkey. Let's keep talking about these. Also, I'm just now realizing, I think in the first segment, I said that Scope had a really good DRS, and it was OAA that he had the crazy high number, and DRS was a little less. So, same conversation, nothing changes, but I did realize I misspoke there. Okay, let's talk about the other changes. I think the next one up, and and this is a, considering how kind of dramatic and large of an impact the other two could have, This one's a a lot more minuscule, but the bases are growing in size. And and that is something growing as if they're like living beings. Uh, The the bases are getting bigger. 
Um, and really, I think the biggest thing is a player safety. That's something that I don't know if it's going to have like some dramatic, you know, no one's ever going to get hurt on the base pass ever again type of effect, but it, it should, I mean, logically certainly help a, a little bit in that regard. So that's good. Anything for player safety, I'm, I'm all for, but I think the, the bigger thing is the just repeated encouragement of base stealing and we'll get into that a lot more with the pitch clock because that's kind of an underrated conversation within that as well but uh there's a four and a half inch reduction in the distance between second base and third base and second base and first base right the two bases that connect to second you have four and a half inch reduction and then from home plate to first and third you have a three inch reduction so you're, you're, and I know that's minuscule, and that, and that's very small in in terms of ninety feet. But that that is something. Like how many bang bang plays do we see on the base paths, especially with stolen bases? That 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 will incentivize a little bit of stolen bases. So between that and player safety, I, I you know, stolen bases are exciting, and we'll talk about kind of how that impacts the Tigers specifically as we get further down the road here in the show, but. I definitely think that that is a, a that's fine. Like, I, I, I don't have any huge issues really with any of these. Um, the shift rule, look, I, I understand that you are limiting the defense that can be played. And I understand the frustration that some people have in that regard. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. Uh, but I also don't think that it's going to, like, harm the game of baseball. And that's really, like, my biggest priority and worry amongst like any rule change is just is this going to hurt the sport I love and I and I I while I don't necessarily I wouldn't have been pounding my fist on the table I wasn't one of the people that was like the shift needs to go away but I I, I don't think that this is going to hurt the game necessarily either so we'll see I mean this season's going to be a, a big trial run at the major league level for a lot of these but you also have to remember all of them have also been trialed in independent leagues and minor leagues and lower level leagues. So uh, it's not like this is the first time they've ever been done either. It just might be the first time that, that you or, or, or a lot of people have seen them. So I, I, I'm not against the shift. I'm certainly not against bigger bases. I don't really know how that could, could really rile somebody up too terribly much, but uh, that that's another one that again, incentivizing, not incentivizing, but encouraging, Stolen bases is another big theme we're seeing here. And now we'll get to the big one. The big rule change for this year is, I think it's the biggest. I know that the shift, maybe you can argue, but I think the biggest one is the pitch clock. And this one has been semi-controversial as well, but I also think that people are listening or straight up watched minor league baseball last year and realized how awesome the pitch clock was. Uh, when this was something that was first pitched, I was anti it. I, I didn't, I wasn't a big fan of it. I went to one minor league baseball game and fell in love with it. And every single minor league game I went to last year was it, it's there, for a lot of factors. I think this is so good for baseball. One, just pace of play. I know there's a lot of people. There's a big group of people that don't like to hear the pace of the pace of play argument and think that baseball should just not be touched. Look, I, it is the beautiful game to me. Like I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I understand. But this is something that people were again really like arguing a lot about, and some were really upset about. And then within weeks, maybe a month at most, at the minor league level, 
it completely was a non-factor and like nobody was consistently getting punished for it and it got huge positive reception from fans for viewing experience and players even by the end of it a a lot of players came out and were like yeah this is this is fine even pitchers like it's not something that was universally hated the entirety of last season and they're just forcing it on us like it was a trial run in the minors and it worked it cut like the the total amount of time that a lot of games were average time played that's what I was trying to think of it it cut that down by a, a pretty solid amount and just the the lack of waiting around in between every pitch uh, is going to help viewer duration for a lot of people out there. And I think that this is going to be a big positive for the game of baseball. And so I, again, this is something that I was not on board with immediately when the idea first popped into people's head and they started doing it in the independent leagues. I, I literally went to one minor league game and was like, that was, that was great because I went to a minor league game last year down south. I went to a game in Georgia, the Stripers. I went to a Stripers game, and they it was a 10-run game, 11-run game, and it was still over in under three hours. And, like, that's – I don't care how much you love baseball. That's That's kind of a pro, right? Like, we're not – We're not, we're not every other sport blowout or close game. It's all the same amount of time ish. Baseball is the only one where like, okay, like it's 15 to two, like maybe let's wrap it up kind of thing. And and so I I really, I just, if you're really anti pitch clock, I just beg of you to just watch spring ball. I mean, if you're watching this show, I'd imagine you're, you're, you're watching baseball often. Just give it a chance. Just give it a chance. And, And after April, in the regular season, if you're still like, you know what, I hate this, I don't care, then you know what, that's your right, and that's probably an opinion you'll, you'll carry around forever. But I, I just, I, I gave it a chance, and very quickly it, it changed my mind. So the rule exactly we'll get into on the other side of the break. There's also another kind of pickoff rule that's thrown in there as well that is certainly going to incentivize or encourage, I keep saying the wrong word, encourage base stealing some more. So we'll talk about all of that right after this. All right, everybody, welcome back to your third and final segment, Locked on Tigers. I appreciate y'all. Thank y'all for tuning in, rocking with me all offseason. On Friday's show, we are going to officially put the offseason behind us. It'll be our last technical offseason episode. We go back to five days a week. Next week, we will be in the eyes of the Lockdown Network in season. So that'll be super cool. And with Friday's episode, we're going to do our offseason recap, offseason roundup. So we're just going to... Again, put put the offseason behind us. It's officially over. Pitchers and catchers are going to be reporting next week. We're going to start seeing uh, seeing some some gameplay, some bullpens. And so we're going to do a final recap, you know, kind of grading and talking about the offseason, what went right, what went wrong. It was not what we expected at all, I, I don't think, for very many people. So, yeah, kind of an offseason roundup there to, to end said offseason. But today we're talking about rule changes. And I, we are on the pitch clock. I kind of pleaded my case in segment two there just about how uh, a positive of a change I, I think it really is. And I think that early on in the spring, especially, you'll probably see quite a bit of violations, we'll call them. And if you don't get the ball off in time, then that's a, a free ball for the hitter. 
And on the other side, it's not just all in the pitcher. There is a hitter part of it as well. And if they're not ready by a certain mark, then it's a free strike against the hitter as well. So we'll definitely talk about that. Um, but I, I really do think that just just give it a chance if you're anti it. And, and like so many people that cover the minor leagues so early on were like, this is awesome. And I, I don't see how it's going to be any different at the major league level. So the exact rule for the pitch clock, there is 30 seconds in between batters. There is 15 seconds after receiving the ball with the bases empty, the pitcher that is, and 20 seconds the pitcher will have in between pitches when there is men on base. So you have 20 seconds in between with men on base, 15 seconds with bases empty, and 30 seconds in between each batter. Breaking these rules will obviously, again, result in an automatic ball. It's not quite like the, uh, I think in the article on MLB.com, they compared it to the shot clock in basketball and how it's not like that. Uh, It's more like if the clock hits zero on a play in football, like you can still run toward the end end zone and like finish that play. So if you start your motion before zero seconds, if you don't necessarily, the ball doesn't have to leave your hand. It's not like, again, it's not like the shot clock. You don't have to do a slow-mo replay and figure out exactly when the ball leaves the pitcher's hand right to to see if he got the pitch off in time it's uh it's motion started and that will be somewhat of a subjective call by the umpire I guess but I think for the most part like you know when the pitcher is set and when they start their motion you know that's why the balk exists I don't think that that's going to be too controversial but I'm sure that we will not be able to go throughout the season without some controversy regarding all of these so and honestly, I can't wait for that discussion. I can't wait for the first like big, oh my goodness, like did he do it in time? And then look, this that it was a three ball count and that led to a walk. And then this happened. Like, I can't wait for the first, as long as it's not against the Tigers. I can't wait for the first like chaotic pitch clock moment. Um, so so those are the rules, those are the groundworks of of the rules. Pretty straightforward stuff. Now, on the hitting side of things, I, I kind of teased that in segment two, or maybe it was just a couple minutes ago at the beginning of segment three. Uh, the, the batter must be in the batter's box by at least the eight second mark, or at least they are charged with an automatic strike. Okay. So the batter doesn't just get to step out of the batter's box and wait until there's two seconds left and then jump in and then go, ha ha. And then get a free ball because the pitcher didn't start his windup in time. Right. The, the, the batter has to be ready and, and set in the batter's box by the eight second mark on there as well and you know that's still that's plenty of time for the most part like 30 seconds in between batters that's that's plenty of time to get set by the eight second mark 20 seconds with men on base that's still over half the time allotted and 15 seconds with runners with no runners on base that's about half of the time allotted like that's still plenty of time to get set again these have been tested in the minors and and they and they've worked really well so I don't think that that'll be too big of an issue either but again uh, we will have some like all of these will be broken at some point this year it's not just going to be a clean trial they're going to be broken a lot probably in the spring and then it'll probably go down a little bit by april and by the end of the year they they will be certainly be fewer and further between but like we're going to have violations in september and probably in the postseason like it's not like it's just going to be uh the, the the what am i trying to say it's not like People are going to adjust, and then it's never going to be an issue ever again. Like the, the, It is a pressing time slot allotted for a reason. So 
we'll see. But I, I think it's very reasonable. And again, broken record for the millionth time. Uh, it, it certainly, I, I think, improved the viewing experience in the minors quite a bit. Now, the other thing we should talk about with the pitch clock is part of that is a new pickoff rule. And it's being labeled as a pickoff rule, but it's not really just pickoffs. It's any stepping off of the mound. You can only step up, step off of the mound. They call it a disengagement, quote unquote. You can only step off the mound twice per plate appearance now. Okay, and that's very important to remember because a pickoff counts as a disengagement. So now you're thinking to yourself, you can only pick off twice per plate appearance? Yes. You are 100% correct. You can only pick off a maximum of twice per plate appearance. Now, technically, you can pick off a third time. However, if the runner gets back to the base and is safe, then it's a balk. If the runner is out, then the runner is out. And congrats, you successfully were able to pick off someone in your third attempt and there's no ramifications for you. So that's that's the rule in essence. You only get two disengagements per at-bat, stepping off, attempting a pickoff. You can technically attempt to pick off a runner with your third disengagement, but if it doesn't result in the runner being out, then it's an automatic balk and the runners advance. The batter can also only step out once per at-bat now. Again, that you got to be ready to go by the eight-second mark. And you can only call time and step out of the batter's box once per at-bat. And again, otherwise, eight-second mark. So obviously, again, like I, uh, these are hard-set rules. And these are going to be like how enforced. Like it's not going to be some loose type of, of, of system here. Like these are going to be enforced. If you watched minor league baseball last year, like you, you're aware of that. Um, but uh, there is like if someone's hurt – or special circumstances that that may come up like there is a little bit of subjectivity in there but for the most part this is going to be this is going to be how it's going to work this is going to be how it works that's english pretty fascinating stuff and again i just wanted to like before pitchers and catchers report before spring training starts we haven't really talked about the rule changes on this show, and I think that, that it's just important to have this discussion together before we go into the regular season. And then I'm just stuck in, you know, the, the third game of spring training. One of these happens, and then we have to have a whole discourse about it. Let's just get it all, all, all out in the open now before games are played. So uh, the Tigers' impact for the pitch clock, I think the biggest thing is just, honestly, for me, is going to be like one-inning relievers. Uh one-inning relievers are used to taking their time because they are one-inning relievers. They don't care. <laughs> They're out there to get three outs. They would love to only face three batters, and that's a good job well done for them. That's a good job for them. So uh, I think that that's the the group that I'm kind of most interested in. Now, obviously, it affects starting pitchers all the same. You know, They're trying to stretch out outings and whatnot and take their time in between pitchers. I'm not trying to only single out the, the, the short distance relievers, but – I, that's kind of the group that I have my, my eyes on the most, especially because the ramifications of allowing a free ball when you're a one inning reliever, I think is far greater and will be far more under a microscope by the viewers than a starter doing it in the second inning of a scoreless game. Whereas, Oh, like this is a tie game or a one run game. We're going to our setup, man. It's the eighth inning. It's a two, two count. And I don't get a pitch off in time. Well, dang it. Now, 
right now, now it's a full count and it's something that doesn't even have to do with how good of a pitcher I am. So I, I, I think the, the, the punishment is again, going to be far more under a microscope for those high leverage one inning relievers than anybody else. So they're, they're kind of the group that I have my eyes on the most there. Um, Again, stolen bases we talked about earlier will be more prevalent, not only with the pickoffs, just like in general, like obviously that's going to encourage more stolen bases and lead to more stolen bases. Like it's objectively like that's going to happen, but also just the pitch clock in itself. How many times over the years have we seen pitchers try to throw off base runners with changing the timing that it takes to start their windup and, and how long it takes them to get set and then pitch right like that's that's a strategy that's been used for a century and that strategy is not going away I'm not trying to say that it's eradicated that's very much still going to be a thing but it's a lot shorter of a window you're not going to be able to stand on the rubber for you know 25 seconds to throw off the timing of whoever's at first base like you're going to have to do this in in you know 10 to 12 and it's going to be slightly different. You can still hold on to the ball a little bit longer. You can still quick pitch somebody. That's honestly probably encouraged more so now. But it's definitely going to have a little bit of a factor in, in that regard as well. You're not going to be able to just hold on to the ball forever. And so the the and you know if the if the base runner sees the pitch clock winding down three two one okay well now I know he's got to throw the ball. Maybe I can time it a little bit better. Like there's so many factors that lead to a lot more stolen bases this year and a lot more balls in play on the shift side of things. Baseball wants more action in the field. It's it's, I don't think it's trying to completely wipe out the three outcome game that uh, baseball has been trending towards over the last, honestly, decade, but it, it is certainly trying to encourage more action on the base paths. I guess that's really the best way to put it. More action on the base paths, better for baseball in, in MLB's eyes. And that's certainly what all these rules kind of point to. And with that, catcher arms is going to be, uh, like arm strength behind the dish is going to be uh, a huge factor. And not that it ever wasn't. Like, obviously, that's always been a big thing. And you've always wanted to, to have a catcher back there that can throw out base runners. But I think now we'll see. I, I don't want to be too like crazy about it and say more than ever, but I mean, there's a very real possibility that that arm strength in catchers and the ability to, to throw catchers out could be incentivized very high. And, and especially, you know, down the road, if robot umps come into play, that's a conversation for a different day. Minor leagues is already experimenting with that too. I think it's coming, but uh, that's kind of like a challenge system right? Like there's still a human umpire back there. That's calling 95, 98% of the game, but there, there's a challenge system down in the minors that they're experimenting with. So if pitch framing takes a back seat in, in the next decade, getting a catcher that, Oh, he hits 200 and he's not a good pitch framer, but he throws out everybody under the sun. There's a lot of stolen bases in today's day and age of baseball now with all these rules. So that's a priority for us. And obviously Jake Rogers, was in the minors and and even his short stint in the majors so far has always been a a guy that kind of could rely on his arm and obviously the Tommy John could affect that we'll see how much that plays into it but uh, that will certainly be in Rogers favor if his arm looks anything like it did pre-TJ for this upcoming season so 
Uh, there you go. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check on the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube, just like us, baby. That's all I got. Uh, again, just wanted to get this out there, have this discussion now, so that if you're a listener of this show and we get into spring training games and regular season games and one of these happen, that we don't have to have a whole conversation kind of re-explaining and rehashing all the rules and stuff. Out in the open, we've talked about them all. Like I said, MLB.com has a has a great article with all the stats and numbers from how it, it really uh, changed and affected the minor league game last year. So, uh, yeah, we'll be back on Friday with a off-season ending episode. One last recap of the entire off-season as a whole. I appreciate you all so very much. We made it. We made it. Pitchers and catchers next week. We made it. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope, and I'll catch you all then, baby. Go Tigers.